I'm Rachel Zoe. And I'm Roger Berman. And we are very excited to be launching our very first podcast called Works For Us. And I think the genesis of this entire podcast is the fact that most people come up to us and say, I cannot believe you guys are still together. What works for you? How do you do it? So we decided to put together some thoughts on what works for us. It's a constant question of like, we'll see people that we knew in college and they're like, you're still together? Like, <laughs> we'll see people I'll be like, wow, I knew you then. Was I with Roger then? Yeah, I was. I was. And so we should give a little bit of background about why it works for us. Yeah, maybe the Genesis story uh-huh. would be interesting. Well, would we tell it differently or would we tell it the same? My memory's not so good. But from what I remember, one day I walked to work. By the way, it's such a shame that people can't see you right now because your outfit is just you really know, next level right I now. call it COVID casual, Rachel. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. It's a whole new thing. So moving right along, one day I was a waiter. Well, I was a waiter anyway, but I was a waiter at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. named Mona Lisa. And I showed up to work with my good friend, Michael Smith. He was walking me to work, actually. And uh, looked to my right. And to my surprise at the hostess stand was not our regular hostess, but you know, she was cute. But there was this woman and the beauty of which I'd never seen. Pretty sure I was a girl. What did I call you? A woman. Ooh. It just makes and me sound like I wasn't 19. <laughs> once, once, once you're with me, baby, you oh, became a woman. Gross. But anyway, I saw that beautiful, striking, gorgeous 19-year-old and... I turned to my friend and said something that I can't say on radio. Please don't. But, but let's I'll just die. say um, I wasn't interested in having a long conversation with her. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's actually, wow, that's the first takeaway of our show, Rachel. Instant attraction. I always say to people that are about to begin a relationship, like, oh, you know, he's such a nice guy and we've been dating for so long. And yeah, I think we're going to get together. I'm like, listen, babe, unless you cannot live without that person, unless you cannot think about that person, unless you die for that person, trust me, you're not going to be with that person. It's not something you just wait for to hit you. It's like, I cannot live without this person. My life will be over because you need that because trust me, over 30 years, yeah, little little chinks in the armor, you know, little chinks in the armor over 30 years. And you really need to have that really strong, almost visceral feeling at first to weather the storm, in my opinion. What about you, Rach? Were you as instantly stricken by me? Nope. What? Um, I was working in the very fancy part of the restaurant, if you recall, and you were working in the casual part. And so yep. I remember- Other side of the tracks. And I remember- I remember seeing you after work and you were hanging out with a group of people and I was like, he's cute. He's cute. He's definitely cute. Cause you're much more handsome now than you were then, but you were cute. You looked like you were 15 in hindsight. When I look at pictures, you actually don't even seem that you were college age. It's bizarre actually. Gel bait. You were 22 and I was 19. You were in grad school and I was an undergrad at George Washington University. So this was all in Washington, DC. The scene of quite a lot. <laughs> Go Colonials, for um, all of you who care. What are Colonials? Sweetie, that was our school name. Rachel wasn't so into the school spirit part of the uh, program. I didn't go to school for sports. I went to school because it was in a city that I was excited about. And it was a school that seemed really fun and ended up being an amazing school. And we were there for the Clinton inauguration, which was awesome. But anyway, going back to, so I saw you and I remember thinking you were really cute. And I, I had just gotten out of a relationship the day before I started that job and said I was going to be single for at least two years and find myself, figure out who I was. And be single. And instead you found yourself inside of me. I wanted to be alone. I didn't want to be dependent on anybody. I wanted to not be in a relationship because I had gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. And I said, this is it. <laughs> I'm going to be on my own. Funny if you should say that because I was actually in a relationship during this time where I met my future wife. And uh, as it turns out, she was also a waitress. Can I mute you? I wasn't done. She was also a waitress at this. Mute. So anyway, long story short is I ended up meeting him. I ended up leaving to go home to see my family. We became friends and I came back. And the way I remember it, I went to the harbor where the restaurant was to go visit you when I got back from being with my family. 
and I saw you across the harbor and we went running for each other, like in a way that you see in like Hallmark commercials, like running through a field. And we literally, I jumped into his arms and he hugged me and spun me around for like what felt like 15 minutes, but was probably 30 seconds. And I remember going, hmm, it's not really how friends greet each other, is it? And um, shortly thereafter, our friend said, let's all go out. Let's all meet for drinks. We went to meet for drinks. Nobody showed up. And the bartender said to us, you guys make a great couple. And we both looked at the bartender. And we're like, we're not a couple. We're not, we're not a couple. We're not a couple. We're just friends. We're, we're just meeting friends. Lo and behold, nobody showed up. We closed the bar. We stayed up the entire night on the floor of your gross apartment and drank really cheap wine from 7-Eleven. I went to 7-Eleven and bought a jug. Of very inexpensive wine. Jug wine, as you Jug wine. Very, it was it. a jug, not a bottle. We drank the whole thing. We stayed up all night talking on the floor. And you dropped me off the no. next day. No, we had breakfast me. first. Do we eat? Yeah, we went remember. to the French place, had breakfast. Pierre de Cochon? No, it was down the, whatever. I don't remember anyway, the name. Anyway, so. We, we had breakfast that morning after we stayed up all night and then I dropped you off. And you literally looked at me and you go, what are you doing later? Do you want to hang out? And I said, yep. And you said, okay, I'll pick you up tonight. And I was like, and that was literally actually it. And that was... 30 years ago. Correct, literally. And so I think from that point on, I'm pretty sure we were together every minute of every day, like you are in college when, you have a, when you're in a relationship and you have that freedom, you're just with them 24-7. I'm, you know, we just didn't leave each other's side. And then we moved to New York City and, you know, the rest is a long history. I think you said I love you first. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you did. I think you did because you broke up with the girlfriend. Because no. I said, you have a girlfriend. I'm not doing this. Pick one of us. Bye. I remember that. And well, I slammed well, your door at that awful well, apartment and I Well, left. I know you said it's me or her. Yeah. And I was like, mm, you. It was a pretty easy choice at the time, oh, but that's good. but I vaguely remember you saying it. That, I don't. I, it's not important, but I'm pretty sure that you said it first. And did I didn't, we establish you don't have a good memory, right? I have a good memory of certain things, like when you say I love you. Do first. you remember when you really fell in love with me? Oh, hundred percent. When it was when? Oh, so as the story goes, the way so Rachel and I were dating, and obviously there was some lust involved there because, as I said, she was quite beautiful. She still is. And um, at, and at the time, I am crafty. Thirty years. Um, so at the time, we were. I was a. I was a again a waiter, but in a different restaurant. At the point, this was now we had a. My parents said you were in the food service industry. Yes. Yeah, her parents like, you know, they, I just got my MBA and I was a waiter. So, you know, didn't really fit with the, the plan. But um, yes, yeah, so I was a waiter again at a different restaurant. And after my shift, my lovely young new girlfriend would, even if it was two in the morning or whenever it was, she would shower, put makeup on, blow dry her hair just to come and pick get me up at work, dressed. get it's fully dressed so that she would look good for me. God yeah. bless her. But this was actually a shift that I had during the day. And we were in Georgetown where I worked and we walked out of the restaurant and I ran into a couple of friends of mine and started talking to them. And Rachel said, hey, do you want me to pull up the car? And I said to her, I'm like, oh, that's so nice, but it's a stick shift." And she turned to me and I'll never forget the look in her eyes. And she goes, I drive stick. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I love you. And the next thing I know, she pulls up in my slamming 300ZX T-top with a top down driving that stick. And that was it for me. I was like, wow, she's hot and she drives stick. You know, I'm a guy. I don't really need that much more. <laughs> so I built my whole, I built my whole world based on that. I think I was just happy. To be honest, I don't think there was like an actual like moment. It was actually that for the first time in my life, I had gone out with like a, re a lot of like good looking guys that just were really not great boyfriends and not necessarily great people. And I think after a while, it was like one of those things where I couldn't believe I was with someone that I was attracted to and was a good person. And I think at some point I was like, this is insane. Like he's kind, he's treating me with like kindness. And I know it's not compelling and funny, but I actually, it was like very shocking to me that I could be with someone that had an edge 
I found good looking and that I could be 100% myself with. Despite the fact that my vanity would like, I always wanted to look good for him and put makeup when I picked him up and like whatever. And that I yell at my sister for letting her guard down so soon in a relationship. But I think, you know, for me, I just was, I was genuinely content in the fact that I, I had someone that was kind and treated me with, with respect and kindness. It was, it was actually a very bizarre feeling. I think that's an important thing to just bring out. Um, first of all, anyone out there, you're welcome to lower your standards to get your partner. Um, Rachel lowered her standards and, um, there she, you know, she was dating incredibly good looking men and she's like, you know, I'm going to go for the, like the not so good looking guy. And lo and behold, look what happened. And secretly, you grew into yourself, and secretly just like a fine wine. She picked the right jockey. And uh, here I am. I picked the right jockey too. You always say pick the jockey, not the horse. There's so, no doubt you became better looking with age for sure. Well, thank you, sweetheart. Yeah. And I, th- I also think the other important thing that you spoke about, Rachel, is that you were able to be your important true self. And you know, I find that all the time. I, I don't know about you, but don't you hate when you're with a couple and the person is completely different when we're th- they're alone yes. and then they're completely different with that couple. Yes. And you're like, huh, they don't act that way when they're with me. Well, what that means is that they're, they're, they're changing their behavior for their spouse or their partner. And, you know, I just think being the unauthentic version of yourself, it's just too hard. It's too much effort to be someone else uh, and have your guard up with someone that you're living with and spending your life with. So if you're not comfortable disclosing your, you know, basically your issues to the other person and having them, no, it's gotta be, you know, you're basically, what are you doing? You're hiding your issues. You're hiding the fact that you're not perfect, right? So you don't have to be perfect all the time with your with someone who, who loves you, you know, and that's the real takeaway here. The first thing I hear when people say, oh my God, you've been together this long. Isn't that so much work? And the first thing I always say is actually, no, it's actually the easiest thing in my life. Life is work. Everything else in life is work. Your relationship should actually be the easiest thing in your life. It's not to say you don't have ups and downs and there aren't moments where I want to like, you know, slam him with a frying pan. Like I do, but at the same time, it's, it's not something that I ever stress about. And I think that I have seen more often than not women mostly, men too sometimes that I've seen, but mostly my friends that are not themselves in their relationship. And for me, that was the eye-opening moment. Like I can let my guard down. I can be me. I can actually not wear makeup and wake up in the morning and he thinks I'm beautiful like this, you know? And you meant it. You weren't like being nice. And that's the thing. Like it was it doesn't matter how I feel about myself, this is how he feels. And I thought that was hugely important. And I think for people listening, I think that's a huge thing that I hear all the time. And what is very alarming to me is when I hear my older friends who've been with their husbands for many years, not just newly in a relationship, they're like, oh, I have to do this. I got to get in shape. I'm going to see my husband. And I'm like, what? Like do that for yourself. But that shouldn't be a marker in my opinion. So we moved from D.C. We both moved to New York together. And as many, um, the, the, the formula in New York, I was in fashion and Roger was in finance, the two Fs, both building our careers, working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I didn't see him for days. I would just like see him at two in the morning. He'd come home. I'd make him a bowl of cereal. And it was like (laughs) he had to leave at like six or something. It was the craziest time. But I think because we were young, we didn't care. Like that's just, we kind of knew that's what we were doing. But we had so much fun. We were kind of living separate lives, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I remember very distinctly that we we actually moved from D.C. We moved with one of Rachel's good friends, and her boyfriend was also an investment banker. So mm-hmm. we got a one-bedroom house, had my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, a one-bedroom apartment, had my brother-in-law come and put one of those pressure walls up, and we made it a two-bedroom apartment. And what was funny is because uh, his name was Charles, he worked at Bear Stearns, Charles and I would work so much that we would like leave in the morning and literally not come home ever. And Rachel and, and Emily, uh, they worked normal, you know, sort of normal hours, worked a lot, but you know, they would come at seven, like a normal human beings and we wouldn't be home. So they kind of like lived together 
And then right, Charles and I would like walk in at various times, like two, three in the morning. We're like, hey, Charles, what's up? And like, we would live together. And it was a very, uh, it was very strange. But, you know, the thing about being young uh, and being in New York City, we, I mean, I personally think it's the best place to be as a young person, sort of developing your career and your instincts, if you will, because it's a very fast place and you really have to learn how to navigate very quickly. And I think navigation skills are certainly, you know, super important. But- I mean, I honestly believe that Rachel and I, I mean, obviously when I, my first few years of my career, I was, you know, I was an analyst. I was really working my ass off as a banker. And as you get a little bit more up the food chain, you could control your hours a little bit more and your life a little bit more. Rachel and I used to like to go out, you know, and uh, we love this place. Uh, there was like this one place called Moomba, which was like the best place of all time. You know- It was New York. Yeah, people it was, don't really- It was a period There was also this, uh, there was actually before Moomba, it was really funny. What was it called? Cafe like, Tabac. Oh yeah, Cafe Tabac, good one. Mark Bar. Cafe Tabac. So basically what Best. people don't realize we're very old, but when we moved, you are very old. When we moved to New York City, there was bars and there were clubs. The concept of a lounge had not even been created. And actually New York City Cafe Tabac was I think the first lounge and then Spy Bar after that. Rachel and I were there at the very like the precipice of lounge uh lounge culture. I would argue it was by far and away the best years in New York City, yeah. uh, uh, apart from Studio 50. Right. And lounge culture is there's not loud music, there's music. It's not a bar where you're all standing. You have a table and chairs and you meet with friends and you get drinks. So it's a sort of amalgamation. But anyway, this place, Moomba, I swear to God, Rachel and I would meet there every night upstairs, nine between nine and 10 o'clock. We'd have dinner upstairs. The food was great. And then the lounge would start filling up with you know, everyone, in, oh my God. everyone in the world. Mick what, Jagger, Madonna, Bono. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was really quite, I remember one night. Yeah. We, we had Mick, Mick Jagger, every night, Bono, every night, every Madonna. Night. They were all like sitting uh, next to us and Rachel Lane, we knew the owner. We were very, you know, we sort of, that was our place. And we stayed, we literally every- Shut that place down every night. Literally seven nights set a week. Set the alarm. We set the <laughs> alarm with him every night for probably six years. Tommy Zung. Yeah. And, and I, But I think because of that sort of like that clubhouse for us, we actually met so many of the people that are in our lives even today in like the cultural world yeah. and the, you know, it's almost like Max's Kansas City way back when, if anyone knows the Warhol days. That's where I met Jen Meyer. That's where I met Charlotte and Samantha Ronson. Yeah, we met Shoshana there. Shoshana, I mean, it, the list goes on. Yeah, on tons of on. people. So you'll notice a lot of uh, old school New York City people uh, have an associate with Moomba. They actually opened one out here in LA uh, that didn't do as well. And when it closed, I was like, okay. We can move to LA now. <laughs> the end of an era. Yeah, actually, I think the main reason why uh, we had a you know we had a, a great time in New York. We 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 loved New York. We moved. We had eleven years. Yeah, eleven years. Eleven years. We lived in five apartments. We got married in New York, and we got married um, at the Rainbow at Room. At the Rainbow Room, at the top top of Rockefeller Center, it was really extraordinary. It was magical, sweetheart. Well, it was, and what's funny is. You know, the wedding was kind of for my parents, to be honest. They really wanted to do that. And Raj and I would have just kind of probably stayed we were, engaged I remember for like being 10 years. Really, I remember being really busy and not- We, totally, we couldn't deal. I didn't really even care. have time to do like fittings for my dress. Yeah, I'm pretty sure your mom picked out her flowers. She did. Well, Preston Bailey did the flowers, but I literally just said, I want drama. I want candelabras. I want drama. And, and the that's only thing it. That, my mother did the rest. And the only thing I really cared about was the band. And they had to play Grateful Dead. And we had we got the most amazing band that had a ton of Grateful Dead cover tunes, and then we were able to walk out to Peggy O. And then everybody went into rehab shortly after our wedding and said they'd never drink again. People yeah. like ended up in the elevators at like four in the morning. So it was a great wedding. Yes, there was a huge blizzard. It was February fifteenth, ninety eight. Eight. Long story short, is we were living our best life. We were making a ton of money. I was a freelance stylist making a lot of money working in music, pop stars, the whole thing, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, Enrique. Roger was crushing it. We got our dream apartment that was a loft and it was, I st half the furniture in our house is actually from that loft. We're actually so sitting on a couch. We're from, actually sitting on a couch from there. From there. And the truth is we had no kids. We jumped up and jumped on planes where needed. We had no responsibility other than to ourselves living in New York City. And then, you know, I had a, a burning itch to come to LA. Um, I always did since I was 16 and spent a summer here and never forgot it. And Roger was like, never, no way. I'm a New Yorker for life. And then I think, you know, 9-11 happened. And I think like so many other people, I, I think it, it, it obviously, it hit me hard, really hard. I think it hit people differently. I think everybody obviously was 
traumatized in their own way. But for me, I don't think I was ever the same in New York. And I think having witnessed it and having watching it from our terrace and being so close to it and feeling just so much pain from it, I, I'm pretty sure I, w I really wasn't the same. I didn't fly the same. I didn't feel safe anymore. I really... I really was messed yeah, up. From and I it. think a lot of her life was in LA. A lot of Rachel's yes. life was in LA. And she's like, wow, I have to keep flying all the time. You Let's know, that's, just move. That's going to be a time. hard thing. I think it was a culmination of two things. I think 9 11 really was the icing it on was. the cake. It was the but I think what was leading up to that, if I remember correctly, I, I want to say it was Giuliani at the time. But, you know, I remember sort of the, the, the Disney, the, the Disneylandness of uh, New York City. I mean, New York City became super corporate, if I remember correctly. You know, everything was you know, the gap and the this and the that, it, it lost a lot of its edge. Oh, because we were living in the meatpacking yeah, district we, we and lived it just in the got like very district. commercial and our little like romantic nights at two in the morning at Pastis and like walking yeah, through the like- we moved the, to the like, meatpacking district yeah, when you I literally walked past very meat. I mean, there was meat on hangers everywhere. It's true. And then, you know, I would say when we left New York City, there was, you know, it's all true. the top retailers- yeah. Not, it got it got uh, more commercial and the hotels commercial. and stuff and there, like there was that. No, there, there was it lost little, its flavor a bit yeah, for us New at York, the time. New York lost a lot of its flavor in my in my opinion at the time, and uh, so I think those two things really sort of gave us the desire to move out west. And, and we just thought, well, we have no kids. We were we were sort of like my parents said something to me for so many years, and they it's not that they ever wanted me to move to California, but they did say New York isn't going anywhere, and so I knew. It's sometimes someone has to say something so obvious for you to sort of, you know, just change your mind about it. And I thought, okay, we have no children. We have our careers. We have each other. That's all we're answering to. So, you know, let's, let's do this now. And also at the time we had just sold, I just sold my company at the time and we had the opportunity that we could move, if and you remember. So, so it was it sort was of a transitional timing. event for, for my work. Um, I'd left banking and we, I'd started a company with a partner of mine and we just sold it. So we had a little bit of money and sort of not a lot of responsibilities and we're like, okay, it's time to move West. And then we came out here and I thought he would come for a week and turn right back around and go back to New York and be like, you've lost your mind. I'm such a New Yorker and I'm never, I'm, this is insane. And he came and I swear on my life, he was here for a week and he was getting up at seven. He was doing yoga and drinking green juice and he was done. Oh, that was it. I, and I he literally, he literally was like, that's it. I'm not going back. And the rest is history. We've been here 19 years. So we fell in love with California and I don't know, it's weird. I feel like I've always lived well, here. Well, I think it's also the lifestyle and the people and you know, people always make fun of the people here, but ultimately I think the people are a lot more open. They're open to ideas and they're, they're a lot more accepting. And I frankly don't need a ton of pomp and circumstance. I'm a little bit more casual, I think. So it works, it works well for us. I think with us, it's, um, you know, obviously we're entrepreneurs, but I think when you have someone that you love and you have someone that uh, is by your side and that part of your world is sort of solid, it gives you the opportunity to take risks in other ways. And, you know, Rachel and I had moved to LA and she was, you know, getting a name for herself. And, you know, I remember distinctly when we were thinking about doing this reality show. And by the way, reality shows at that time were not very established. The only one that really was on was Real World and uh, Newlyweds. So, and by the way, Bravo was um, the arts and entertainment network at the time and it had inside the actor studio and all those shows. Such so, a good show. So inside they were all the great shows. Studio. And we were sort of, oh, wow, we're going to be doing a fashion commentary show. This is wonderful. And um, at the time, I remember you saying, well, gee, honey, I don't know. It's like reality. Should we do it? And I remember looking at you and go, we moved to LA. Of course we should be on in Hollywood. You know, of course we should be on TV. We're in LA. And it, it no, just No, you what you said to me is you have nothing to lose because people are making false assumptions about who they think you are. But that was a that was the deeper business meaning of for. No, no, because I was terrified and I said no way, no way. And you said you have nothing to lose well, because yeah. in the absence because, of a narrative people will make up their own and people right. were making up their own narrative about Rachel. Right. So I thought it was important she was actually the most talented, hardworking, you know, stylist out there, and 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 the things that we're saying about her were just untrue. So I and I remember actually the very the very first time our show aired, the very first episode, I remember watching Twitter feeds, and every single one that was, oh, I wanted to hate this girl, but I kind of like her. Wow, she may be harsh, but she's fierce, and and you and I just saw public opinion turning uh, before my eyes. But I, what I was saying, my earlier point was that. 
I just think that the ability to take a risk and the ability to not know what the future is, but to know that you'll be okay is, uh, that's also if you have a secure relationship. But I think that's why we were able to do the Rachel Zoe project because frankly, we didn't care what other people thought about right. us because we only care what we thought about each other. Right. And I think that that's, uh, that's an important part that's of actually what That's actually what made me do it because yeah. I was terrified. And I remember Roger saying, it's, it's making you so sad that people are judging you without knowing you. So at least if you are who you are and you show them who you are, they can hate you, but at least there's, it, it, at least, at least they can form their own opinion. At least they can form an, an accurate opinion versus speculation. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I just said, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. and, and of and course, I think, I think you're right. well, I also think the fact is that I had no idea what I was talking about because I do distinctly remember waking up and there was 18 people in our house. I counted that. I'm like, wait a second. I thought there was like a camera. There's 18 people. There's like people eating like potato chips and standing Everywhere. around doing nothing. It was house. amazing. Yeah, that was Just crazy. like any other production. Remember that hot guy that like used to- I do remember. Kitchen? Yeah, that was very funny. When Rachel wouldn't do anything- Jeremiah? We'd get, yeah, Jeremiah. We'd get Jeremiah to no, tell No, not Jeremiah. Jeremy. 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 Is it Jeremy? I can't remember. I think it was Jeremiah. Not, Jer not that not Jeremiah. Not Jeremiah Brent, different Jeremiah. But anyway, there was this hot guy that worked on the set and anytime I didn't want to do something, they sent him in to ask me mm -hmm. and I did it. And she and he flirted with her and she did it. Listen, I was okay with that. A cute boy will really go a long way sometimes. But anyway, from my perspective, anything that I was doing in my business, like obviously any financial part of it, any real big decisions, we sat and talked about everything. Like, should I do this? Da, 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 da. What do you think? Da, da, da. Everything kind of real beyond my styling decisions. We did, we made those decisions as a couple because that's what you do, right? But I think what was happening was it was getting, my business was growing and um, it started to just be, more than I could handle while still actually doing the job. <laughs> mm. And um, Roger was at like a pivotal point in his career where he had recognition media and he was doing all these other things. And I think ultimately he had the idea to create the Zoe Report as a way to further connect with my audience and my followers. And we launched the Zoe Report and it was Roger, myself, and Jessica Mento, one writer, who we still love. And I think that's when our saga began as whatever we are. That said, it's all a bit of a blur. So I'm quite certain Roger's going to have a different take on it. No, I think the take is not that dissimilar. I think what uh, I think you were correct that it was a pivotal time in my life. Um, what happened is the financial recession had happened. God, I don't, I don't know if anybody's- 2008, bored. right? Yeah, any, anyone's bored by that. Uh, yeah, it was 2008, 2009 in that range, I think. And, you know, frankly, I was here in LA and I had, had like one person in the office here, but basically the business was based in New York. And to be honest, I sort of, I think missed- you know, being a, a part of a company. Yeah. I did, I was I part of a- I think you were bored. Yeah, I did, I was part of a company, but it was sort of based in the East Coast. And, you know, there was a, t I was sort of gonna try and, you know, look for something else to do. And what I thought about was, hey, you know, what are my skills, you know, I'm a banker or whatever. And I could, you know, I could work for, you know, be a part of another company or maybe start something else. But at the time, Rachel was getting more and more popular. And it just really annoyed me because I was, you know, at the time, you know, owned the Webby Awards and I was pretty into the internet. And it just annoyed me that Rachel had all these theoretical millions of fans, but had no way of even communicating with them. And it just seems so strange not to have a website. And then I just thought to myself, well, who, who's going to do this website for her? Not me. Yeah. And, you know, if you really look at how, uh, at that point, at least the infrastructure in Hollywood was set up, you know, you have agents, you have managers, but you don't have someone that's like web developer strategist. And, uh, you know, I frankly thought at that point I had a lot of experience in email and I thought that uh, emails were just as good as a phone number at this point for the next decade. And I said, hey, you're gonna wanna contact these people and be in touch with them. And uh, maybe one day even, uh, you know, sell to these people, we don't know. But that's the truth is I was so buried in the Rachel Zoe project and my styling career and everything else that I was like, okay, great, go run. Like it was, we, we launched the Zoe report and I was obsessed with it and I loved the concept about it and I loved all of it, but it really became Roger's like baby and project and like full time. And then we grew and grew and our staff grew and our team grew and we just kept getting bigger and bigger. We were 
busting out of our offices and the Zoe report got so big and, um, you know, it just became an incredible extension of the Rachel Zoe brand. But all the while I was underwater with my actual day job, so to speak. So I think for me, I'm very untrusting. You know, you hear a lot of things about partners that have catastrophes and it's it's a age-old tale in in business but I think for me there was going from only working for myself then partnering with my husband was sort of like okay well no learning curve the trust is there and we have the same intention and you know we are our agenda is the same to be successful and grow this incredible brand and company and you know the dream obviously is that we leave it to our kids someday and blah 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 so yeah but i just i distinctly remember thinking to myself well if i join someone else's company i might you know have a few points but under california law i own 50% of this brand so let's make it a brand i have always had a very clear idea of where I sit in our business and where my strengths are and absolutely, absolutely know where my weaknesses are. I'm very clear on Roger's strengths and his weaknesses. He may not be as clear on his weaknesses. That, why, don't you, why don't you tell me, Rachel? No, no, I'm not gonna do that. That said- I'm sure our listeners would love to hear all of my weaknesses. <laughs> that said, there are absolutely exceptions to that rule. You know, I would say I know business really well based on instinct, based on, you know, a feeling for something, I can make a decision, I can see something exciting when it's gonna happen and I go based on what feels right and what looks right. And then does a business make sense? Does this path make sense, right? I don't have that kind of background. I don't have the finance background at all and I would never pretend to. And I think there are those moments over the years where he crosses to my side, I cross to his side. For sure, and I think actually Rachel's gotten much, much, more involved in sort of quote unquote my side of the business because well, I think it's interesting. It, yeah, a, it is interesting. And I think what people don't realize is, you know, business is creative, right? Yes. Um, if you just think you're going to create pretty things and try and sell them, well, you're going to fail. So I think uh, all sort of creative endeavors, you know, that have commerce attached to them have a, a good mix of art and commerce. And I think uh, the most successful ones get it right, that mix. I would agree. I think, first of all, I think you're underselling yourself. I think you are actually are a very good business person. I think that your strengths just come out in different ways. And I think that actually, the more you lean into them and the more that you uh, are confident in them, I think the better you'll be actually. I'm going to be on Shark Tank, honey. I really just want to be on Shark Tank. The best thing about working for myself, well, bear in mind that I've literally worked for myself since I was 25 years old. I've been on my own. I have not had a boss since I was 25. I've had one boss in my entire life. And I think with that, there are a lot of wonderful things and there are a lot of really challenging things about that. That said, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and I would say the best part of that has always been that I govern my own life in every way. If I want to be and have always been a workaholic, I can be. And I would say that working with Roger and us creating our life path together, it's funny, you see a lot of doctors that marry doctors and you see lawyers that marry lawyers. And it's funny because they get the insanity of each other. They get the life that they have to live and actors marry producers. You know, you see Hollywood marry Hollywood. And I think in our case, the fact that we do this together and there's no learning curve and there's no like trying to explain my day at the end of an exhausting day and vice versa. I think that's the greatest thing. We can also travel as a family. We don't have to separate and be apart all the time. We, um, you know, we make those decisions together. So I would say that those are the pros for me is that we can roll together always. The worst thing about it is probably that we're always together. No, I'm just kidding. I would say the worst uh, thing, thousand no, but I was going to say the worst thing about it to me is that there is no fall person. The one thing that I would say, the only negative that I would say since I've worked for myself long before I had children, there is no one you answer to. And there is no one to cover for you when you are sick, when you are tired. No one can show up on my behalf. It's my name on the door. And there's just, you know, I remember styling and I remember I would show up on set with the flu because if I didn't get paid, there wasn't, you know, you can't not show up. That for me, I would say has been the biggest challenge at times 
over the years. And there there were no day offs. And by the way, there still are no day offs. But I think we're always on. But I think if I could make a point, I mean, I think the main reason for trying to create the Rachel Zo brand is it it's impossible for you to continue at that pace and being the person. I think it's I think it's very hard and I see a lot of you know, I think a lot of people are creating brands around their influence, but, you know, to just create money by being on a set or doing a service, you know, at some point you can only charge a certain amount per hour. And, and at some point you can only, you know, have a certain amount of hours in the day. So that's why I thought it was very important for us to build, you know, brand equity in Rachel Zoe so that even if you weren't there, the name meant something. And that, and that's, you know, and that's the, was the beginning of the process, of course. And now that's why we're able to have our, you know, your brand on, you know, products because the, the main, the, the name means something more than you, uh, the, than the actions you're doing physically, you know, during that hour. And that's, you know, that's the evolution of any brand. But I actually mean in the physical sense of even as a service, as a stylist, like I just mean when you work for yourself and there's nobody covering for you, I think that's an important lesson for people to take away. When you well, decide to be your own boss, you can't call in sick. Well, listen, if you have to make payroll, you're the one that has to figure out the That's money to make point. payroll. There is no one to call and say, hey, can you figure this out for me? You are the beginning and the end. And that is a lot of responsibility. I think one of the really, you know, I'm just gonna add to what you're saying. Um, I think, yes, the best part about us working together is the fact that, you know, I find a lot of couples, you know, grow apart. You know, they're working a lot. And if you really think about it, they're spending one, two hours a day. And they're Some, too tired to deal with each other. They're too tired to deal night. with each other. So it's nice. We get sort of like all sorts of moments together. Um, and if we're not in the mood to talk to each other, we just don't. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> like if I'm over you or you're, you just like go on the other side of the house or you leave and it's fine. I agree with all your points, Rachel, about um, the pros and the cons of uh, owning a business, obviously the flexibility of your, you know, control of your destiny and, and the like, you, you know, you can't show up one day, be fired, you know, which is a nice feeling. I think one of the literally, which I didn't realize the best part about it for, for me is actually the fact that I look back and, you know, we've had literally over the years, you know, hundreds of employees. And it's interesting because you're really providing like a paycheck and they have husbands and wives and they go get a lease on a house or buy a home or, you know, and you really, I don't know. I feel a sense of real gratitude with the fact that we are able to, from your brand name, from what we've created, have other people be able to have a livelihood from that. I think that's very uh, fulfilling for me. I also love that we created an extended family and that a lot of the people that have come through our company and are still with us have become an extended family to us, but also to each other. And they have lifelong friendships. Yeah, which, I think that's amazing when know, people become best friends through our company. Yes. I think that's wonderful. The only thing I will say is I would say that, and I will leave on this note, I think that I will leave this point is that I think the best is when it's great, you get to enjoy it with each other, but in the low points, it's terrifying because it's you, because it's the two of us and it stops at us. So if there's a scary moment, it's scary together and there's no one really to catch if we fall. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think is important for people to know when they're going all in and they're working together. I think it's a really important point that they look at the biggest pros and also, you know, the cons and the scary parts. It's not the best diversification strategy. No, definitely not. I really stand by let each other be their best, let empower each other to do what they do and don't try and do their job and vice versa. And obviously, like I said earlier, there are exceptions to that rule, but you gotta stay in your lane in order to make it work. Honestly. And, yeah. And I would just add, I think one of the Be respectful most, of each other. Yeah. Definitely stay in your lane, but I think it's even beyond that, Rach. I think that what I find, especially even married couples, I mean, I think there's a fair amount of competition and ego that goes on between spouses. Yes. And I think ultimately, you know, you'll find at least aside from the wisecrack here and there, you know, for the most part, you know, I will go to my death defending Rachel, defending the brand and defending what we're doing. Yes. And I will no, no matter what, never tear you down. I will always, you know, put our brand, put you up there as in a respectful manner. And I think the same thing, like you even started off earlier saying, you know, that I, you know, whatever I did this or, or I'm good at that. And I think the idea is knowing, knowing and respecting what the other person brings and don't tear them down because it, it's easy to be like, oh, that was me or that was whatever. And, you know, it's much, it's easy for the ego, but not having an ego or putting your ego in check. I mean, that's especially for our relationship. I Obviously, agree. Rachel is certainly front and center um, for sure. 
I think maybe 20 years now people are realizing that, you know, I'm sort of here and behind the scenes, which is, it couldn't care less. But the point is, is you got to really have no ego. It's for the greater good. You know what? I don't care that people don't know who I am as long as we are good. No. And, and I would say that he's been that way from the day we, we met and I started my business because even when I was styling and nobody knew my name, but people, everyone, like his friends and guys I would meet, they'd be like, how do you just let her like go out with such and such celebrity or so-and-so model? He was like, I trust her. If they can get her, they can have her. You know, he did. He said that because he, it was- The it best was, saying of all time. It, it was, but the truth is, is A, it worked, right? B, you know, I always say like behind many successful women is a really, really good man that's, that's rooting for them. And my dad always rooted for my mother. My dad always rooted for me and my sister. And the thing is, Roger has always, always, always rooted for me. He's never competed with me. He's never been jealous. He never wanted anything but success and never did anything but lift me up. And I think that that would probably be the number one piece of advice to couples that are starting out, never compete with each other. Cause that's the beginning of the end, in my opinion. Agreed. This show is brought to you by our show's new sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. This past year has been full of challenges for everyone. I think it's important to say that first of all, if you've been struggling, you are most definitely not alone. And more importantly, there's no reason to be ashamed because in 2021, the shame around mental health is officially outdated and very out of style. Having a peaceful and healthy mindset sometimes takes a lot of extra support. That's why therapy is so essential. And thanks to BetterHelp, it's more accessible and convenient than ever before. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Because let's be real, some days another video meeting is not something you want any part of. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. BetterHelp is much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours, which honestly is truly incredible because it's hard to find an in-person therapist who can fit you into their schedule on such short notice. But the truth is, if you've made the decision to focus on your mental health and actually feel better, you shouldn't have to wait to get the help you deserve. So please join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Works For Us listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash works. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash works. Okay, so when choosing a deodorant brand, I sometimes feel like I'm honestly making the choice between a product that works, but is full of harsh chemicals and a product that's natural but very rough on my skin and way less effective. But with each and every, I've finally found a deodorant that measures up to my standards. Each and every is a natural deodorant that has no chemicals or hidden ingredients, and it actually feels silky and smooth on my skin. But most importantly, it really works. Each and every has been found to fight odor as well as antiperspirant without the aluminum. And let's just say I can attest to that because Roger's been using it too. And if it didn't work, trust me, I'd be the first to know. It doesn't stain or street clothing, which obviously is so important to me. I've loved using the new limited edition white chamomile and bergamot scent. It smells so fresh and amazing. I'm shocked I just said that about a deodorant. I mean, what's actually happening? But honestly, I love the simplicity of this product because they use just six safe ingredients like dead sea salt, coconut oil, and essential oils. So I know I'm not putting anything harmful on my skin. And if I didn't already love them enough, each and every is also a better choice for the planet. Their unique sugarcane packaging is the first eco-conscious carbon negative packaging used in deodorant. So trust me, you're gonna love each and every, and lucky for you, a fantastic deal to offer to our listeners. For a limited time only, you can get 30% off your first purchase. So go to eachandevery.com slash Zoe and use promo code Zoe. That's 30% off with promo code ZOE at eachandevery.com slash Z-O-E.
Spring is a refreshing season that inspires us to shake up our routines and our habits. It's the perfect time of year to renew our minds, our bodies, and to focus on our health. As we make our way out of the winter months and head into warmer weather, let Care-of help. All of Care-of's products are formulated with good-for-you clean ingredients that are backed by science, and all of your recommended supplements come in daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for helping you adjust to your healthy new habit. Care-of is also super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products, which allows you to rest easy knowing that you've made the right choice in your supplements. And Care-of goes above and beyond to make sure that you're choosing what's right for your goals and needs. Care-of's in-depth online quiz asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and your health concerns to help address your specific wellness goals. Seriously, this quiz is like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without ever having to leave your house. How amazing is that? You'll get a personally tailored approach to your unique health needs, and who doesn't love something that's custom tailored for them? I know I do. In my quiz, I mentioned that my goals were reducing stress and getting better sleep, and Care-of recommended ashwagandha and magnesium to help me do exactly that. I like to know what I'm putting into my body, but I don't always have the time to be as thorough as I'd like to be. So a company that does the research for me directly and focuses on my specific needs is exactly what I'm looking for. So try care of today and make this season a great one. As a Works For Us listener, you can get 50% off your first care of order by going to takecareof.com and entering code RACHELZOE50. That's takecareof.com and enter RACHELZOE50. What I learned about myself when I became a mother, I learned that I could never possibly love anything more in my entire life than I love my children. You just, it's an unfathomable, indescribable, paralyzing love that took over my entire being for, I would say at least a year, I could not get my head out of the, 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 the mommy kind of world. I couldn't honestly figure out how to get back into my life again. I did, but it took me a V. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the best year we've had, <laughs> business-wise. That was tough. Yeah. Um, so I would say I really thought that I was going to like have a baby and kind of like pass it to my parents and like go to work and like whatever. That was a little bit more of my mindset, which is weird because I've always been obsessed with kids. I think I was so immersed in my career that I couldn't see past it and I couldn't wrap my head around how I was going to like take a shower and comb my hair and like go to an event while having a child. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. So I think what I learned was that, just the overwhelming paralyzing love and how it turned me completely inside out and upside down. I couldn't see past it. You know, he was very different the second time than he was the first time. The first time he was like all in, like I couldn't believe it. He was like, he wanted to like get up in the middle of the night, which by the way, he slept like a very peaceful 12 hours for the 18 years we were together before we had kids. Sleep was like his entire universe. And he wanted to be like super dad. Um, And he just jumped right in and was like, I want to feed him. I want to hug him. I want to create, you were so in. And then Skylar kind of ignored him for a bit. Um, a bit meaning three years. <laughs> so then my, my, so then my, so now this is a perfect segue for me to, to, to realize what I realized about kids. Well, I love my children and I was so happy to have my children. Um, but what I realized what? myself, yeah, well, of course I'm very, I, I mean, I love my children, but this is an honest show, Rachel. Okay. And no, no, you said, what did you learn about yourself? I think I learned, um, I'm probably more selfish than I thought I was. Wait, I wasn't, I wasn't done with what I learned about you. Oh, I'm sorry. I learned that he, in theory, wanted to be a super hands-on, full-on dad. But then <laughs> the first chance he got to go on a trip to Hong Kong, like a month later, he was like, bye. Yeah, I realized that, I see, unlike Rachel, where I like was, I wasn't paralyzed and couldn't see past my kids. I was nope, like, sure okay, uh, they, I don't know. We've had a kid for like two weeks. I could go out to dinner now. And so I kind of, I don't know. I thought kids were a part of our life, not the entire life. And Rachel kind of thought, 
or still does that they are the entire life. So I think we're, I think actually, I think Rachel's coming a little bit more to my school and I'm coming a little too more to her school. And I think we're sort of somewhat meeting in the, in, in, in the middle. I, I think so. I don't think I'm coming. More to your oh school. God. Well, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm just running further. Oh, okay, okay, I'm just ignoring, it. I'm just Got ignoring it. my family more and more. It works for me. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah. I've, Roger's been missing lately. Well, what I learned about Rachel when she became a mother is it really, well, actually just, it, it reinforced what I actually thought. You know, I've known Rachel for a long time and she's always been all in on whatever she does. She's a perfectionist and she, you know, was very competitive in that manner. You know, when she had a child, I think what most surprised, well, I knew she was going to be a great mom, but what most surprised me was her, uh, her verve, I guess, uh, the fact that she really uh, was hell bent on being the world's best mom and not in a competition wise, but just yeah. <laughs> she felt it that she just needed to be. And um, what I learned is it's super, super easy to spend 20 years uh, with someone and then be ignored. <laughs> I learned that uh, everything I've ever done in my life up to that point meant nothing. And- <laughs> Uh, I've learned that if I want to stay around in this house, I've got to learn to love those damn kids really, (laughs) really hard. Because if I don't love them as much as she loves them, then guess what? I get no love. So I love my damn kids. I'm not sure I can argue all of that, actually. I'm not sure. Yeah, because if you're not in on the kids, then your wife who's in on the kids is like, well, you're not on the kids. And like, then I don't really like you anymore. So you're like, okay, well, I'm totally in with the kids. She's like, well, that's better. And then I like you. So you kind of got to be a family man to get the family part of the man. I just think we can't make it easier for the dad to like have kids be like- An accessory? Like like the side hustle. I think that too many of us because as women, we take the responsibility just organically to do it all and be the best mom because that's our job. And it, I don't do it because it's my job. I do it because I live for it. But I think at the same time, I think that there is a tendency to have that unspoken- Free pass? Yes, where, you know, you have your- Sundays and you have your Monday nights and you have your Saturday afternoons. According to my mother, who, when I say I never remember a day without my dad, my mom claims he was traveling so much for business. He was barely home. He never changed a diaper. He never did it. I'm like, what do you mean? He's the most perfect human being. So I think that there is a tendency as women that we let you do that. And I think that I'm here to say you do what you do. I think we don't want to be the nagging wife that traps the husband. But I also think, I think there is an expectation that we want the dads. And obviously this is huge generalizations. There are many exceptions, especially today, where the roles are very much reversed. But I think that as mothers, we want the dads to want to play that role, not to beg to play that role. And I think- that if you don't, you don't. And if you do, you do. I know you love our children. I think that's fine. I'm just not going to continue to make it easier for you to have leisurely afternoons. And this works for I'm us. I'm not so sure it works for us. It works for you. As the children are getting older now and I'm able to have, uh, I, I guess- I think you're going to get your life back now. You no, know, like more deeper conversations with them. And it's just for me, uh, I think as the kids get older and they sort of are functioning personalities, I'm sort of um, really- I don't know, getting a, a much better relationship with them as opposed to when they're just like really, you know, young kids and they really want their mommy. You know, it's it's hard to really feel that or, you know, need it or even, you know, whatever. I always say, I don't I don't have my first memory till I'm after four. So as long as you keep them safe, you're fine. <laughs> See, and you, and you completely misinterpreted your memories because you love your daddy. So there you go. In 20 years, I hope that we have grown our business, that we have a brand that continues to mean more and more to people, and that we are really enjoying our life with our grown kids. I desperately want grandchildren. Yeah. In 20 years, I'm hoping that one of our children has a child. I already told Skylar, he's really got to get on this young. (laughs) Got to get on the kid thing really young. Meanwhile, I did the polar opposite, but still- 
as as a parent, I just already have kind of put in him. I, I need to be a grandma at a young age. Oh. Yeah, so I guess in 20 years, we're going to be grandparents and uh, just as boring as ever. I think we'll be yeah. just like my parents who are 83 and 78 and go out, not in COVID, but go out seven nights a week and continue to live a very full, fun life. Yeah, I mean, that's me. I'm always, I, I cannot sit in the house. Just we want to like experience life and with our children and our families yeah, and, kinda, and build something that really means a lot to people and that it stays forever because back. I think, well, yeah, that's yeah. my favorite thing to do. What makes this work? Honestly, it's actually very simple. Trust 1000%. I don't ever wonder where he is because I know. I always know where he is and honesty. And like I said, patience, a lot of patience and knowing when to walk away. I think what makes our relationship work is I agree with Rachel that what makes our relationship work is trust, patience. And I think the other real thing that makes us work is I think we both accepted the fact that you're not necessarily going to change the other one and you really can't go to the final world war on every single thing that might bother you about the other person. You just have to understand and live that that's part of what makes them that person and try and look at it as something that creates them as, a, as opposed to something that annoys you about them. And you could sort of live with it. Acceptance. Yeah, acceptance. There's acceptance. I think there's acceptance after being together for so long that there are things that are unchangeable and you choose to accept them or you don't. And you change the things you can't accept or try to. And I think there's compromise, but overall it's, it's, it's a trust. Yeah. And I also think we have time on our side because ultimately I'm just too damn tired to care. So eventually you just kind of love the one you're with. Every guest that we have on our show, no matter what kind of relationship they're in, at the end of every episode, they will answer five questions on behalf of each other. So it only makes sense for Roger and I to... Okay. So the, the word is, the questions will vary each week. So we actually don't know if these are going to be the exact same questions, but they're going to be like this. Rachel, what's the one piece of clothing of Roger's that you would throw away? All of his trucker hats. <gasps> It's so sad. Is it though? And Roger, what about you? What's the one piece of clothing of Rachel's that you would want to throw away? All of her high heels. We might as well get divorced. What are you talking well, about? Well, I want my trucker hats. You have the most gorgeous head of hair of any man who is 52. And I have not seen a hair on your head since before COVID. So that full of head of hair, does that do anything for you? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, hmm. Who has the most exes? Me. <laughs> definitely uh, me. Definitely Rachel. <laughs> definitely me. No debate there. What's Roger's go-to karaoke song? Um, both of us have a really, really, really large fear of karaoke. Neither of us karaoke. I don't have a fear of karaoke. Oh, I do. It's my life fear. I just assumed you did because I've never seen you karaoke. Because you never karaoke, so you've never seen me karaoke. Oh, that's true. Okay. So I would say um, probably for him... If it weren't a Grateful Dead song, it would be the Doors like Love Street because he loves to sing that oh. and he like dreams to be Jim Morrison. I think that would died. be a good one. That or like U2, you know, little Bono. Don't even try that. I Just want don't. to run. Don't, don't. Oh my God, I stop, want stop. to hide. Don't. Why are you doing I want that to, to Bono? Tear That's like down rude. the walls. That hold us inside. Honestly, he's pretty good. No, he isn't. I want to death. seek shelter for the poison rain. Oh, God. Where the streets have known. Anyway. Okay, if Rachel wasn't afraid to sing karaoke, what song do you think she would sing? Like, what, what song's in your heart, Rachel Zoe? She would be singing Fleetwood Mac yeah, all day yeah. long. She'd be. Well, she, more specifically, Stevie Dicks. Yes. She'd be singing. Wedding. Don't you? Are you okay? No. Don't you dare. I mean, you try and hit that note. Don't you do you, it. No, that's why I don't karaoke, friend. Wasting away all along. No, oh no, no. You know what I'm talking about. No, that, I think that was even not Stevie Nicks. However, I would say, do you remember when Kate uh, karaoke Stevie Nicks? And she was extraordinary. Amazing. So that's why I don't karaoke. Because right when I think I'm drunk enough to get the nerve to do it, someone like Kate Hudson gets up and like sings 
Stevie Nicks. What is Roger's biggest fear? Snakes. Like a snake literally crawling up his body. Oh, that's very fearful. And our boys couldn't be more obsessed with snakes. What's Rachel's biggest fear? Everything. No, it's so easy. So easy. Rachel's biggest fear. So easy. So easy? I have so many of them. I mean, where do we begin? But uh, fear of having no water would probably be one of them. What did you say? Having no water? Yes. No. How about actually being in water, like falling off a boat? Like that would be world's greatest fear. Yeah. Well, like that's actually a fear. Like I've nightmares. Well, why do we? Well, let's not. What about being in a plane? What about being in a crowded area? What about. Wait a second. I, I would. Have I would fears. Wait a second. I think Rachel's phobic. This was, hey, this was not an opportunity for you to, oh, to go. I'm sorry, Mary. So I would say Rachel has many fears, but her top fears would be fear of water, fear of heights, fear of crowds, fear of loud noise. And let's leave it at that. Yeah, let's Those leave it at that. Those are some good ones. Hey, Rachel, can I do something um, on our very first episode? I'm not sure. I'm scared. Well, you know, I'm. A, you know, I like writing, right? No. Oh, you don't know that about thirty about Th- thirty years. That you, you don't like think writing? I've ever, well, you know, I I like to speak sometimes. If, if well, I know an you event. like to speak. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes I like to put my thoughts into words. No, I do, and actually, I will say this: there's no one that writes cards better than you. And what about poems? You're you're good at poems. Okay. You're really good at poems, actually. When you, when you when you care enough to write one. Well, I think on this momentous occasion, which okay. is our new podcast, I put down a few words and I wrote myself a poem. I wrote us a poem. It's sort of like maybe it's our theme poem. Oh Although you haven't heard it yet, so you're probably going to hate it. So oh, if no. you like it, maybe it'll be our theme poem and we could post it somewhere. Oh, no. Not that anyone cares. It's very short for you guys don't have to listen. Why to are you much. wearing a sleeveless shirt? Because I have such huge guns. Obviously, well, not so obviously, but the name of this poem is It Works For Us. Also the name of this podcast. I know I'm amazing. Here we are again, taking the plunge. We've been here before. Those days were fun. We're a little bit older with some wisdom to share, along with some guests who will come on our air. We'll try and help out as best as we can. Giving advice is part of the plan. Partners, lovers, workers, we'll cover them all and try and give some advice so you make the right call. No, we aren't real doctors. We can't prescribe drugs. But an ad here or there, we're happy to plug. We'll hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Nothing worth having doesn't start with the first. What I do know for certain is we have each other's trust. We'll each do our part. It works for us. So I thought that was kind of a cool little ditty. I'm exhausted. That was the most exhausting hour of the last year. I actually don't remember the last time we sat still next to each other and talked for that long. I don't think you remember because I don't think it's ever happened. Because I'm actually pretty sure you've never sat still for that long and had a single conversation with anybody. Are you proud of me? I'm not sure yet. Can you be? I'm not sure yet. Do I get a reward? I'm not sure yet. Hmm. What was your favorite part? My favorite part is talking to you, my love. Having undivided attention, looking and staring into your eyes and just wondering, wow, I'm so fulfilled. I don't like your attitude. What's wrong with my attitude? I love you. I'm over you. Let's move on. What? You're being the mean one now. No, because I'm, I have really good reason to believe you're being really sarcastic and obnoxious right now. So let's just move on. All right, let's go to the next subject. Ready? Well, that was good for me. Was it good for you? No. What do you mean, no? (laughs) No, it wasn't. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) I think we have very different interpretations of our story. I think you should leave it up to everyone's imagination of what we're talking about. I'm talking about what we just did together. I'm aware, honey. And I thought it was amazing. Well, because I think we agree somehow at the core, despite the fact that we are very different, what makes us work or doesn't work. I, I think we work so well because we fit together so well. See, I actually think we work so well because I have a tremendous amount of patience and that even though there's moments I want to literally punch you in the face, I kind of want to hug you three minutes later. So that's, that's, I think, our 
um, secret sauce. Okay, so we wanted to leave you with a little highlight and low light from our week. In relationships, the bad definitely comes with the good. So this is our time to mention a little bit of both of those things. Okay, babe, what was your highlight and low light of this week? This week, my highlight had to be making sweet love to you. Did you actually just say that? Because I want to die. Do you want to hear what my low light is? I am dead. What is, do you want to ask what my low light is? I'm not over the highlight. I want to cry. Well, you'll get to the low light. If- We're going to send our kids to therapy really soon. My kid, our kids kind of are in therapy. Right Ugh. Anyway, what, what is your low light? When I tried to make sweet love to you and you rebuffed me. I don't even know what rebuff means, but I assume that's another word for reject. Indeed it is. Okay, well, my highs and lows are a bit different. Sweetheart, what would your highlights and lowlights be for this week? Are they the same? No. My highlights were that by 6 a.m. every day this week, there was burning hot Starbucks waiting for me in the kitchen when I walked in with one eye open after the new puppy kept me up all night. Um, So that would be the highlight. And what would your lowlight be this week, my love? On one of those days, the Starbucks was wrong. That is, for our listeners, devastating news. That is a low light in Rachel's world. So if you liked what you heard so far, or even if you didn't, because we're really desperate, please make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating or review. And keep listening. And give us a good review. Please. We even have a promotion going on where your rating and review might win you a curator box. So check us out on our Instagram to find out more about that offer. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. So I know we've already talked about the importance of mental health in this episode, but it's so important that I actually can't say it enough. If something is interfering with your happiness or keeping you from being the best version of yourself, you owe it to yourself to get help. And therapy is the help you deserve. BetterHelp is so convenient that there's actually no excuse not to try it if you're curious about the experience. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to try to fit in an in-person therapy session into your weekly schedule. You can do your sessions from the comfort of your home, which especially helps during these crazy times. And if you're worried that you might not mesh with your therapist, let me put your mind at ease. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Because if it's not a fit, it's actually not going to work. And BetterHelp is dedicated to making it work. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Works For Us listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com works. So don't wait. Visit betterhelp.com works and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.